Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? You know, when we were trying to get this podcast off the ground, we had a lot of questions. How do you record an episode? How do I get the show into all the apps people like to listen to? You know, best of all, how do we like to make money off this podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to to podcast right away. In fact, that's what we're doing right now by reading this ad. You know, I like to listen to, to my scary podcast during the week while I'm at work. And man, let me tell you, it just gets me in an extra zone so I can keep working all day long. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Been a great weekend of football. Uh, we're going to kind of recap that. Um, talk a little bit about college, a little bit about the fights this weekend. Maybe touch on some A-B stuff, considering. Um, but DJ, what uh, what's the first thing you took away from this weekend after the you know season finally started? Well, the first thing you kind of mentioned already, Antonio Brown. What the hell, man? Yeah. Okay, first of all, you hate the Steelers. You force your way out. You go to Oakland. You and Derek Carr are bros. You guys take pictures together. Your kids are throwing passes to each other. And then you force your way out and you have someone videotape you pretending to look through your social media thing, pretending to see the live look of your of your release and running around like a petulant child. And then you end up on the Patriots ten minutes later. Kind of goofy sounding there, especially because the Patriots tried to trade for him back when he was available and didn't get him. So something reeks of fish and we're not near the ocean, so I'm not sure about that. Yeah, there's a, you know, they talk about the Boston Tea Party. I'm sipping some tea right here on this one. It's a, you know, there's a lot of talk of the collusion co- conversation coming up. Um, 
you know, back in May they tried to, they were the first team to really come out and say they want A B. And they offered a first round pick too, where you got traded yeah. for like a third and a washing machine. Exactly. Like, you know, it's it was it, it's convenient and you know, we we talked about it many times on the on the podcast, like there's no way he's that mentally unstable to think that the things he was doing is okay. There had to be something else behind this and when you start to think about the Patriots being there and that chance for a ring, like you're almost like that makes so much sense. And Drew Rosenhaus being his, his agent, like it it all signs point towards there was some conversation being had behind the scenes to get A B out of Oakland. And that whole thing about him leaving thirty million on the table, he also has that second year option worth twenty million and when you add that to his fifteen million worth up to thirty five million with I think ten million guaranteed the first year or so 30, he's still getting that 30-ish million if the Patriots take that option, which Belichick probably won't. This has Darrell Rios written all over. He'll be like, oh, yeah, by the way, thanks for the ring, guy. And then Antonio Brown looks stupid while the Patriots continue to play chess while they're playing checkers. So I don't know what the, I don't know what he's thinking. I mean, good luck. The, Brown, the Patriots look pretty stupid good in week one, so you add Antonio Brown to that. Good luck, everybody else. I mean, yeah, Antonio seriously. Brown, Josh Gordon, Demarius Thomas, Julian Edelman. Yeah, Tom Brady really doesn't have any weapons this year, so uh, he's going to have to carry that team, clearly. Oh, yeah, obviously. But, you know, before we move into the the, the kind of what we saw this week, just to kind of cap this off, I mean, do you, in your opinion, do you think, because the NBA has taken a really strong stance on this, the, the whole possibility of collusion and co- conversating behind the scenes between agents and, you know, possible teams. Do you think, in your opinion, like, for me, I do think they need to take a certain, the NFL needs to look at this and be, a little bit more stringent on it. Do you think that's something that the NFL should do as well? Honestly, it couldn't hurt to just look into it a little bit more, but I don't think it's as big of a deal as it was in the NBA. You don't see it as often. This is probably, what, the first time we've ever heard of anything like this in recent memory, so maybe it couldn't hurt to look at, look into it, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. But besides that, you mentioned it. Week one's underway, and as it always is, week one's quite the doozy. We have some pretenders that show up out of nowhere and take the league by storm. We have some future Super Bowl teams look like trash and everything in between you could imagine. What did you take away from week one? What's one thing that really stuck out to you like, hmm, what do you know? Well, besides my boy Kellen Moore calling an absolutely perfect game against the Giants. God, he turned Dak Prescott into Peyton Manning. It was great. It was great to see. Um, you know, he was seeing Dak, but not just Dak, but Lamar, two guys that are known more for running throwing the ball, accounting for nine total touchdowns between the two of them. I mean, that's just incredible. A thousand yards passing on top of it, too, or whatever it was. Like, these are guys that aren't known for their ability to throw the ball. I mean, we kind of make fun of Dak a little bit because he's sometimes a little makes bit. More, than, more than most <laughs> because that game in particular, he was fine, especially at that first quarter, but sometimes questionable throws, weird decision-making, struggles beyond five yards sometimes. That game, I don't know if it was the play calling, if it's the adding Randall Cobb and Jason Witten. Maybe he just got good all of a sudden. Who knows? Maybe a combination of all three. He was fantastic. I mean, I will not say anything negative about his performance. It was that's after that first quarter we saw a few passes early on. It's like, well, there's Dak. Okay, fine, whatever. But then they started featuring Cobb and Witten, and then getting Amari Cooper involved. Zeke got his going. Granted, as everyone is saying, it was against the Giants, who aren't yeah. exactly world beaters, and need to just start Daniel Jones. Yeah, definitely need to just start Daniel Jones. I mean. But no, you're right. It is against the Giants. My question becomes: Was it just, was it a perfect game against the Giants, or was it just a perfect game? 
Exactly. Could he have done this against somebody else? And what's crazy to think about is you get Zeke back, but he accounts for less than 50 yards rushing the ball and one touchdown. And your team blows out the other team. Like, really handily beats the Giants. That defense looked as good as advertised, too. Like, I think if they're going to win games, whether this offense sustains or not, that defense is going to be – that's going to be the game changer later on. Absolutely. And then we just talked about the the Ravens absolutely mutilating the Dolphins. I, unlike you and Brendan in our predictions, only had them winning one game. And I think I might have been too generous because that was absolutely abysmal. Yeah. Nothing looks good. I mean, I started Hollywood Brown on my fantasy team because they were playing the Dolphins. I didn't expect that. No. I, I didn't expect Lamar Jackson to piece them apart. He had more income. He had more touchdowns than incompletions. That was some Madden stuff from a guy, as he says, a running back. Yeah. No. I mean, honestly, if you take, if Lamar Jackson could play against the Dolphins every game of his career, he'd be a Hall of Famer by the end of the year. Exactly. Like that was insane. And I, I, I mean, I will eat my words. Hopefully, the the they figure things out by you know week three, week four. But, yeah, right now the Dolphins don't even look like they're getting one win. I can't see it on their schedule right now. There's Maybe when they go up against the Giants, that might be their one chance at a win. Good luck stopping Saquon. They let Mark Ingram run all over them, too. So, I mean, That's true. this could I be just... one of those things we just talked about. Like, is it a week one anomaly because how week ones always are? I mean, between especially now that a lot of teams don't even play their preseason. There's guys in the preseason. Yeah. We saw in the Bears-Packers game, my God, what a terrible offensive performance from everybody. It, yeah. Minus three plays, there was absolutely no positive yards gained, it seemed like. And that's, that's a, that kind of brings a bigger question in. Are we okay with the starters not playing any preseason games? Or are we okay with, and, and you know, when they don't play, we get these crappy week one games where two offensive teams named the Bears and Packers can't score. Yeah, there's no offense that exists. I'm cool with it if you trim the preseason down to two games and then have, like, a week of training camp before that where you can maybe do the joint practices, something like that. Or, hell, do two weeks of training camp without preseason games. Yeah. Just, like, start at the same time, but don't start preseason until a little bit later. Or do preseason earlier and take two weeks off. I don't care. Just don't stuff all these preseason games where people just get hurt and you're still kind of sloppy because you don't want to play your guys or you only want to play them a total of five series. Or, yeah. It's... It doesn't seem to be helping anybody, and I know you got to make room, find those gems in the rust, the guys who are practice squad. So we get, like, Terrell Davis, Victor Cruz, some Hall of Fame-level players, but the juice isn't really worth the squeeze anymore. So I say two preseason games, four weeks of training camp still, put the games at the front end of it or the back end of it. I don't care. You can do joint practices. Teams do it anyway. I just, I don't know. I don't really like it. We're going to get bad week one games. We got them even before when they played four preseason games, Start all the starters played on occasion, so... I'd say trend the preseason, and I'll just accept weird week ones because it kind of makes it interesting for overreaction Monday, as they like to call it, or overreaction Tuesday since we have games on Monday now. Exactly. So I kind of like it for that reason alone. Like, maybe we're talking all this about the Dolphins, and they somehow turn it around and to make a playoff. I can't even finish that sentence. Yeah, no, let's not get carried away now. Maybe maybe we we can see them winning five games. Maybe that might be... As high as it gets. I'm thinking like the Saints last year where after the first two weeks, it's like, my God, what happened? This defense is dead. And then suddenly they're the best team in football for a while. That's kind of yeah. what I was thinking. But, yeah, so the, uh, just just cut the preseason down. I, I can't <laughs> even – I'm trying to justify it, but I really can't. Like, just cut the preseason down. We'll accept a weird week one. It's fine, whatever. Anyway, speaking of weird week ones, a team that a lot of people touted as being uh, the second coming, the Cleveland Browns. The Brownies uh, – the yeah, big show. You know, the, I might be a little guilty of this one. Uh, the dog pound uh, looks kind of like the kitty box there. I mean, the yeah, Dolphins kind of not only ramrodded them, but kind of laughed in their face afterwards. Yeah, that was rough. Um, you know, I, I 
I look at that game and I I can just we, we talked about it in, in our preseason predictions like we do we do look at it and kind of think they're gonna have some growing pains and I hope that's what that was but uh if not I mean that's some heavy dysfunction there I mean it's yeah I mean you lose to the Titans who I don't think any of us had the Titans really competing in the AFC South I mean they they're a good team they're a seven and nine to nine and seven caliber team but they're not a consistent ten and six playoff team I just don't see it maybe I'm wrong maybe this is the year that finally happens because they're always that team everyone wants to jump on ahead of time like Oh, they got the defense. They can run the ball. Mariota's accurate. Corey Davis, Delaney Walker. I would never say Mariota's accurate. That's I mean, an awful statement. He's pretty accurate when he's <laughs> healthy and not throwing it down the field, when he's throwing oh, yeah. it within the system, I should say. Yeah. But I mean, he has his moments, but at the same time, I don't believe it. I don't believe they're a quote-unquote playoff team, even though they lead the AFC South right now. They'll be fine. They'll be like they were last year. They'll be competing for a playoff spot. They'll be in it at the end, but... They're not a team to worry about, so hopefully for the Browns' sake it was just the week one shenanigans, because if not, that place is going to be... Gosh, I almost wish we could have hard knocks middle of the season with them, I mean. Yeah, that would be insane. I mean, with Baker, with OBJ, with Jarvis, kind Jarvis of to a degree, yeah. yeah he, kind of, he was the one who snapped after this after this in the post-game like questions from reporters and stuff. I was kind of surprised, because he's the even-keeled one, at least so we thought, but... He, he had pretty short temper, but he also only had like four catches for thirty yards or whatever it was. I mean, yeah, that you know, if I, I all all that all the weapons in Cleveland, you almost wonder, are they going to try to spread themselves too thin? Exactly, and the offensive line isn't too bad, but is it going to be bad when you try and try and feed everybody like that? Like last year, they played within themselves and made it work between running Nick Chubb, different play calling, mixing it around. Do they do that again this year, or do they try and do that basically air raiding, let everybody feast, and put their offensive line in a weird spot? Exactly. I mean, Baker threw it quite a few times, and towards the end you could see he was just forcing it. He's just like, oh, i got to get the ball out there, intercepted. Oh, i just got to keep going. Oh, intercept. Yeah. When it rained, it poured on him, unfortunately. So. Well, going from one quarterback kind of being having to throw a lot just because he was behind to another quarterback whose game plan was to throw the ball 50-plus times in Kyler Murray, and those Cardinals, I mean – those Cardinals, I don't know how they ended up going to overtime with the Lions and tying with the Lions, but you, if you watched the first three quarters of that game, you saw exactly what we were worried about with the Cardinals, a team that could not go offensively. If you watch the fourth quarter, you're like, oh, so this is what everybody thinks the Cardinals can do. So this is that 13-3 and team Brendan was talking about. Yeah, exactly. Huh? I will say, I think... This doesn't happen if they play a team besides the Lions. I think that fourth quarter doesn't happen because the Lions are kind of... I don't want to say snake bin, but in the Stafford area, they've been good, but they've never been able to finish the deal off. They've always had something. Where, your boy carry on, stud running back, they just didn't give him the ball. No, yeah, he he literally, what, it was like five to se- seven rushes for him in the game? I can't even remember the exact number. It was not enough, that's what it was. Yeah, for a guy that set records for your teams as a rookie, you're not going to run him run, run the ball with him when you're up by 20? At and, one point in time. And if you want to throw so bad, throw some stick routes, some option routes to your boy TJ Hawkinson. That man has the record for receiving yards by a tight end in his first game. He was every little bit the part we thought he was coming out of Iowa. I mean, you and I liked him because he was a receiving tight end that blocked. He's everything plus some. He was by far worth the pick. He's already proved it, barring this being week one shenanigans. But the way he played, I don't see it. So they have weapons there. I mean, I don't know what happened. with. I don't know how they fell apart at the end, too. I mean, I think it was... A little more of them falling apart than the Cardinals coming alive because did Kyler Murray even get pressured in this, in that fourth quarter? I mean, he was just kind of sitting really, back yeah. and throwing darts. I mean, 
was it a change in the offensive protection where they were creating windows from the past? Like, they knew the ball was going to go left, so the offensive line made sure the window was left by how they blocked? I don't know. I do think the Cardinals are a little closer to those first three quarters than the fourth quarter we saw. I think that yeah. might have been a little bit of a phallus. Like, Kyler's explosive. He's electric. He's going to be fun. David Johnson's a stud. I don't know why he ran a like 30-yard seam route for a touchdown, but, hey, he can do it. Yeah. I mean, if there's a running back that can run – run a seam route for 30 yards to catch it over the top of a linebacker. It's, I think it's David Johnson. He's one of the best out there, and I hope he gets some carries in this offense because I still think he needs a chance to bounce back. He's a stud running back. but hey, He's I, my highest-scoring high scoring guy in fantasy this week, So, and I had Drew Brees. Ah, Drew Brees. Speaking <laughs> of Drew Brees, we're just going to move on. I think the Cardinals are – I think that fourth quarter was a little bit more of the, fa- the farce than the first three quarters. And the Lions, they're going to be kind of what we thought. They were pretty good, but never good enough to get over the hump. They'll lose to the good teams. They'll beat some of the other teams. They might have a surprise win here or there, yeah. just like what they always are. But anyway, speaking of Drew Brees, what a game, huh? We just witnessed probably the best quarterback matchup of week one, Deshaun versus Drew Brees. Two teams that we had. I mean, I had the Texans winning the division, and the Saints just about getting to the Super Bowl. It didn't disappoint. I mean, the, those that last minute, how much excitement. I mean, Drew Brees. Put, take the lead. Deshaun, oh, hold my beer. Drew, oh, oh, young blood. Sit back while I do this. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, what's this? I get the ball with 50 seconds left. Deshaun's like, I get my sixth, you know, fourth quarter comeback drive. Yeah, I'm going to win this game. Miss the extra point after tying it up at 27. Get a lucky, rough, well, I say lucky, but I mean, he definitely got roughed. The kicker got roughed. Fairburn hits the, the second extra point to actually go up 28-27. And 37 seconds on the clock after all this. That's 36 more than Drew needed. It exactly. Like, yeah. I mean, Drew Brees just goes four plays, five plays downfield, pieces apart the defense. And, you know, questionable play calling by the Texans. When you're on the, you're, you're on the 49 of your own side and you have to get to the 40, so you, get, you have to get 11 yards, right? Let's play a soft zone coverage and let's play prevent defense for the Texans. Like, no. Not against Drew Brees. That's not what you do. Against Drew Brees, you basically have to play man, or you have to blitz. You basically have to play man and either cover zero or man with two safeties over the top and just hope your underneath coverage works. So. Exactly. But Drew Brees does what Drew Brees does. He pieces them apart, gets gets them into field goal range, and Will Lutz, redemption story for the game. And it wasn't even necessarily field goal range. That's still a 59-yard field goal they got. Yeah, that's I not mean, just That's not like he kicked a 27-yard or anything like that. No, monster leg for Will Lutz. That was a, that's a heck, of a heck of a game. Um if you missed it, go watch a replay somewhere. It's going to be all over the place. Uh, that was a heck of a game. Um, by far, probably my favorite game for the weekend. Um, really no choice about that one. Uh, maybe other than the Colts-Chargers games. You're a little biased on this one, but, I, you know, I'll let you talk a little more about that one. That was a good game. I don't. I mean, you, had, you said in the predictions you thought the Colts would win. I wasn't so sure about it, especially being your first game without luck just a few weeks removed. Jacoby has had a lot of reps with the ones, with the ones but and it's week one going to L.A. Across, kind of across the country against one of the most talented teams in the league. I mean, I had them as the, high, the best record in the AFC for this season during our predictions. And the Colts showed up. I mean, the return of the MAC, that – I'm going to say it now. I didn't see it coming, but I think Mac's going to be a Pro Bowl caliber running back this year if he stays healthy. I know the offensive line's pretty studly. I mean, Quentin Nelson, that guy. God, that guy. What he did to Melvin Ingram on one of those pass plays I saw on Twitter. Go look it up if you get a chance. Melvin Ingram tried to spin move in style Casanzo and ran into the long brick of the law that is Quentin Nelson. Brick wall, man. That dude is a monster. Anyway, so the way the Colts ran the ball was 
kind of what we talked about when we did the predictions. Like, if the Colts can run the ball to set up the pass, where last year they passed to set up Mac, they showed they can ride Mac to basically a win. I mean, they all but won that game. If Vinatieri was three years younger or, like, 18 kicks younger, honestly, I think they could have won that game because he left at least seven points out on the table. And, honestly, Jacoby Brissett, I think the Colts are in good hands, honestly. I mean, he looked good. He was... He still has some issues with touch a little bit, just like some of the touch passes over the linebacker, under the safety. He's not Andrew Luck. I mean, very few people are going to be able to replace Andrew Luck, but that dude was rifling some of those back shoulder throws, some of those slants, the spot touchdowns. I think the Colts can compete for a playoff spot. I don't know if they'll get it. This is also week one, but the way they competed against a team that I think is going to be a powerhouse, look out for the Colts. And, of course, on offense. Sorry. And, of course, for the Chargers on offense, they're going to score on anybody. Keenan Allen, like I ranked him as a top five receiver, he proved that. To, he proved that he was lighting up. Austin Eckler basically just said, "Melvin Gordon, hold my beer." Yeah, I mean, seriously, that dude has fun stat. I saw two fun stats. One, Austin Eckler, in only one game in Melvin Gordon's career did he have a better game than what Austin Eckler had in that, as far as total yards and touchdowns. And Austin Eckler is going to make around six hundred forty-five thousand dollars or so this year. Melvin Gordon is giving up three hundred forty thousand dollars per game that he sits out. So that just kind of goes to show that as awesome as Melvin Gordon is, highly as we think of him, Charge will be just fine. Austin Eckler's a diamond in the rust. They got that Justin Jackson kid. Still Philip Rivers' team throwing it to Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, a healthy Hunter Henry. They're going to be just fine. They're going to put up points. Their run defense, I mean, maybe if unless the Colts are that dominant at running the ball, Marlon Max and Naeem Hines and are that good, they might have to tweak some things. But that was just a hell of a game. I mean, there was... At, Going into the fourth quarter, there was like eight penalty yards total, no turnovers. A couple turnovers by the Chargers, like a muffed punt, as well as a dirty, dirty, dirty interception by Malik Hooker in the end zone. That might have been the – that's a top five play of the week. So. Yeah, I was saying that's probably the play of the week for sure. If not, it's the best defensive play of the week, arguably. So I think that was just a gr- – you say the Saints and the Texans the game of the week. I think this one has a strong contention, went to overtime. And I think that came down to the coin toss. I thought whoever wins that coin toss is winning the game because – I think the Colts go right down and score. They were cooking on offense, too. And T.Y. Hilton, that man's he, – he talked about dedicating the season to number 12, and I think we're going to see him play like number 12, basically. He's going to be a receiver version of number 12. So look out for the Colts. I mean, a little bit biased, like you mentioned, but what, I think anyone who watches football, who watches the game, and thinks as highly of the Chargers as I do is going to be like, oh, the AFC South is not exactly out of the woods yet. They still got – there's a boogeyman in the background still, and it's not yeah. the Texans. You know, the one thing I got to say about that game that really the, the reason I picked the Colts is because of Vinatieri is I thought Vinatieri would just be that firm, you know, safety net that you need as a you know, as a young team and you have a nice, you know, veteran kicker. I would have never guessed he leaves seven to eight points on the on the field in a game like this. It's kind of weird because the Chargers are known for having kicking issues the last few years. In this game, they were the team that they won because, partially because of kicking issues from the best kicker of all time, so... I love it in Terry, but and I kind of you got to let him play out the season. But I think Father Time is kind of knocking on his door. And if you're the Colts, you have to you have to at least ponder bringing a second kicker. Just I mean, you keep Vinatieri, maybe let him take the extra points or something. I don't know, man. Like we got to see how he does going forward because it could be a week one shenanigan. You never know. But that was not his best effort, honestly. Like he, I I don't want to say he lost the game, but he left some points out there for sure. Oh no doubt. I mean, if he hits one of those field goals, that's game over. But then maybe the other possibility for game of the week, as far as the results go, the Bills, somehow, the Bills come back and win. 
how they lost the turnover battle. They got outgained in yards. I don't know. It doesn't make sense besides <laughs> the Jets, what happened? Yeah. Like, you had a pick six from C.J. Mosley. Then later in the game, you had Le'Veon Bell. You almost forgot Le'Veon Bell, by the way. Score a touchdown, and he was not great, but he was really good, honestly. I mean, he had his receiving touchdown, about 100 all-purpose yards. But what what happened on offense to the Jets? Did you you didn't really give him the ball a lot when you were trying to come back on your two drives at the end of the game? You didn't throw to him. You kept him back there to be a glorified offensive lineman. Yeah, I I didn't like the Jets' play calling. I still think the Jets are going to win more games and surprise some people. But good on the Bills. I mean, you got to say good Josh Allen, resilient as hell after having such a rough early part of the game. He stormed back and did not give two you know what. So yeah, you know they talk about that that change in in the mentality in Buffalo. And you kind of saw that in that game. You know, normally the Bills, they go down in the game and, well, go ahead and put the backups in. You're good. You know, this game, I, it was like night and day. I mean, I feel like there was a couple of these games this week where it was just the second half came in and a whole different team showed up. Like, and the Bills showed up. And, and you know, it's honestly, the the Bills, I didn't think much of them when they lost Shady. Once Shady, once Shady was released, I was kind of like, okay. But their new running back, well, let's just say he can he can handle the ball. They'll be fine. I think they'll <laughs> I think they'll still win. I'm not I don't think they changed my prediction a whole lot, but I think they'll be more competitive than I thought in a lot of these games. Josh Allen's still got a little bit of gangster in him. I mean, the way he runs the ball and throws the ball, it's not pretty by any means, but he'll win them a couple games. They'll be fun to watch. Oh, no doubt. And kind of to move away from the NFL now, uh, kind of sums up all our NFL action for the week. You know, minus the Broncos game, we'll talk about that more next week. I, as of right now, the Broncos are kind of falling behind. The Raiders actually look really good. Who needs AB when Derek Carr's throwing dimes all over the place? Hey, Terrell, Tyrell Williams is is no joke. I mean, he didn't just get paid for no reason. So, and we did forget to mention too, the Eagles, basically that night and day team, looked like tr- trash in the first half. Second half, oh look, Carson Wentz, MVP candidate. There he is, Deshaun Jackson. Welcome back, young blood. We missed you. Yeah, and they storm all over the Redskins too. Case Keenum had a pretty good showing, but once again, I don't know if this is a week one phallus or just kind of a lucky, I don't know, we're going to see. If he can continue that, the, the Redskins might be a bit of a contender. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, the Redskins, I still think you need Dwayne Haskins at some point in time. You, Terry, need, you need somebody who has that ability to finish. Hit That receiver, Terry McLaurin, that his Ohio State compadre, he showed up pretty nicely. I mean, yeah. I think there's a lot of hype around Paris Campbell going to the Colts especially. Terry's like, oh, don't worry, guys, I'm starting, by the way. We're... Paris isn't getting a, didn't get a whole lot of action that first game, so I'll, don't worry, I'll make up for it. Don't worry, guys. Buckeye Nation, here we come, and then storms all over the place. Exactly. Well, all right. So yeah, as you said, missed the Eagles. So that was the one. <laughs> my bad, a Cowboys fan missing an Eagles, you know, game. Ah, uh, your bias is leaking out again. Yeah, you know, not just an Eagles game, an Eagles and Redskins game. Ah, oh, it's like the, gah, my skin's crawling on that one. And that'll do for our NFL coverage for right now, but. That's not the only football we had this week. We had some real good college matchups. And, Kelsey, two different top 25 matchups. LSU-Texas A&M, Clemson. Oh, wait. LSU-Texas. Yeah, and then te- Texas A&M-Clemson. Sorry, got them mixed up in my head. It's okay. I mean, it's two Texas teams, finally, that we actually have in the top 10. Or, well, top 25 that are in really good matchups. We'll start with the A&M-Clemson game. Um, you know, honestly, A&M, Jimbo Fisher does not make them – a top 25 teams yet. And Kellen Mond, he's nice, but he's not yeah. that nice. You know, that game, that, honestly, their defense is really good. I can't take that away from A&M. Their defense is a good defense. But 
it's not stopping Trevor Lawrence and Clemson good now. I mean, yeah, well, hey, good. I mean, you know, Trevor Lawrence didn't look that great against it, I will say. And and I think that's more to do with growing pains for Trevor Lawrence. And he still – even in a game he didn't look good, he ran a touchdown. He ran in one, he threw a couple, he threw some darts. I mean, if that's considered a game not looking good, that shows how good Trevor Lawrence is at the same time, yeah. too. Yeah, I mean, I do think he is the best – underclassman quarterback right now i won't say the best quarterback in the in the in the in college football because well one bo nix is still out there but oh. <laughs> two uh justin herbert i still think is the best draftable quarterback so. and i think college football wise i still give two a little edge over trevor lawrence just because he's done it a couple years where lawrence has done it for eight and a half games or whatever it is now like i refuse i refuse to let a let a let a punching judy be be the number one quarterback i mean he's like the equivalent of a second baseman hitting the ball Oh, just over the infield, all day. I, I just I can't see it. It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't see Tua being a great NFL quarterback. So we agree on that one. I just meant purely for in college football right now, based on what they've done. Well, in that case, anybody that suits up for Alabama and walks behind center can be a great college quarterback. And that's exactly why he's there. <laughs> that's cheating. But yeah, no. So you know the Clemson A and M game. Clemson obviously is still the top team in the nation. Travis Etienne is an absolute stud, which, by the way, he was originally, you know, set to go to Texas A&M before he reopened his recruitment. Um, yeah, they messed that up by watching him. Re- he made sure they regretted that on day one. Yeah, and Dabo Sweeney with, you know, just another recruitment still that is just reiterates just how good of a recruiter and as good of a head coach as he is. Um, finds the right guys, gets them in the right positions. Uh, Travis Setien honestly might be the Heisman frontrunner. Still, you still have Jonathan Taylor up there, don't get me wrong. Still, you know, for Wisconsin, you still got him up there. Who, by the way, Wisconsin absolutely put it on whoever they played. Right? Eastern, Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, one of the two. It was like 54 to nothing at half. It was just stupid. I mean, you talked about Heisman winners, Heisman candidates. Don't forget, A, Jalen Hurts down at OU. I mean, that man is putting up some numbers out of nowhere. I know you hate Bammers, and he's an ex-Bammer, but yeah. you got to see the light with Jalen Hurts. With OU, they're going for that three-peat of Heisman Trophy winners. Well, and yeah. Sam Ellinger at rival Texas. I mean, against LSU, he didn't come out with the win, but and uh, but you can't lo- take their stock. Now. I mean, their stock's still no. pretty high after that. I mean, you maybe drop them one or two spots in the rankings. You can't take them out of the t- top fifteen, though. Yeah, no. I mean, you had two two potential Heisman guys, and there you got Sam Burrow, and you have Sam Ellinger or John Burrow, whatever whatever the Burrow Jordan quarterback Burrow. Jordan Burrow for LSU. Yeah. Whatever his name is, he's an LSU quarterback. He's not going to mean anything after this season anyways. I will say, normally LSU is known for having mediocre to below average quarterback play, going back to Jamarcus Russell, who had four good games and got drafted. But he looks like he could be the real deal as far as a quality college quarterback goes. I mean, yeah. I think they can finally back a quarterback go win us a game as opposed to their previous uh, Leonard Fournette, can you save us? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Jarvis and Odell, can you go moss on everybody? Darius Geis, can you, can you save us? Exactly. It seems like they can have a quarterback lead the way as opposed to miscellaneous parts around the quarterback, yeah. which is interesting to see. I'm still, I grew up with LSU not really having – they always had the stud defensive backs, DBU, the defense, good offensive line, running backs, receivers – but the quarterback, that's a new one, and I kind of I kind of like this kid. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I like the way he plays. He wasn't my favorite quarterback in this matchup, I got to say. I still love Sam Ellinger. Still, still a favorite of this podcast. Uh, I think Sam Ellinger is higher on the Heisman race, that's for yeah. sure. I think he's in that top four or five. Like, he could be invited to he can be invited to New York real easily. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, honestly, he showed up in that game, too. He did everything he could to get his team a win. I mean, to lose by a field goal in the – it's a 45-48 game, like – to lose that close against LSU in a top ten matchup, 
you know, bravo to you, Sam Ellinger. Uh, bravo to LSU. I, that was a hell of a game. I, that was that was a great one to watch. And I, I, I agree with you. I don't think Texas should lose much. They should still be in the national yeah. title picture if they can win out, including beating Oklahoma and winning that winning that conference. I think they should still be in the hunt. They, this loss should not hinder them long term. It just sets them one step back from everybody else, but it yeah. shouldn't kill their shot. This is definitely one of those one one of those losses where you look at it. And it's LSU is considered a top SEC team, and especially this year, they're considered Second. to be the probably the only team that most most people, me not included, but most people think can beat Bama. Um, so you know, it's it's one of those ones that. They're so highly touted that to show up against that LSU team like they did and to put points on an LSU defense that is not known for giving up points, you know, they have Grant Delpit on their team. Top 10 pick, guaranteed. Exactly, yeah. Top 10 defensive back like that. You know, it's no doubt in anybody's mind. And they got several other guys that have draft qualities about them, potential draft picks too. Like, you know that LSU defense has some playmakers on it. They always do. It's just, it's meant to be. You can't not have playmakers. Otherwise, it's not LSU. It's just weird. It's like... I can't even think of the comparison. I guess it'd be like Alabama going back to winning three games. I don't know. It's until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's it is crazy to think that you know, for so long LSU has kind of just kept chugging along in this this way, where they're the second, you know, third best team in the SEC West. They haven't been the best for a while, but they're still really good. I think I know they're not in the SEC West. But I think they're better than Georgia. I think as far as SEC team goes overall, just all East West combined. Alabama's number one. I think LSU's number two. Georgia's three. Then your Auburn Tigers are number four right now. You know, I I, I gotta say I'm just never gonna show this this episode to anybody I know from down south. Uh, they might kill me for letting you say that Georgia's not as good as LSU. I think LSU. I when agree. They, I think when they, I think if they could play each other right now, or if somehow they ended up in the SEC championship game somehow. I don't think it's going to happen by any means whatsoever. Yeah. But I think those two match up, I think LSU would take the win. Yep. I think I think also Georgia's built to play an Alabama team, not so much to play an LSU team, who is, in this year, very dynamic. Very, um, this very. LSU team can kind of beat you in multiple different fashions. It's not just a single-faceted team. Like, Alabama, really, let's be honest, they're going to they're gonna dink and dump their way passing game. And then they're going to have a running back who can put 100 through the middle. And then after you. after you come crowd the box, Jordan Drudy, Ruggs, all those guys are going to blow by a defensive back. And yep. two, it can throw a good rainbow. I mean, oh, yeah. Throw a I rainbow. mean, when He's you're throwing it, throwing it to a guy who has 40 yards of separation, you're usually pretty good. But And the one problem with Georgia, I think, looking forward is Jake Fromm's finishing ability right now is in question. Like, as a freshman and even a little bit as a sophomore, you saw him do really well. But this last year has just – I have some questions whether he can finish a game and especially a big game right now. I mean, I don't know whether he can do it. So that will be one to watch going forward. And I want to see how he performs not really having that running game he's had the last couple of years. I mean, like, they can obviously still run the ball, but it's not as freakishly good as it has been. Like, they, like when they had Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb a couple of years ago, I know it was a couple of years removed, but that's just a different element that very few other quarterbacks in the nation have. How does he do this year without having quite that same dominance behind him going on as well, too? Absolutely. And then losing Riley Ridley, too. I mean, that's a pretty good receiver you no longer have with you. So Yeah, hey, Calvin Ridley's brother is not just Calvin Ridley's brother. He is actually a really good player in his own right. Probably a different player than Calvin Ridley, but yeah, still a great receiver. To, and it, a tough piece to lose. Exactly, yeah. But So moving on from college football and football in general to the octagon, to the desert, UFC 242 in 
Was it Dubai? Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Okay. So UFC 242, Khabib fighting again, coming back finally. Uh, he was the main card. What'd you see? UFC 242, what'd you say? The undercard, there were some pretty cool moments. There wasn't a whole lot. Like, the main card, the co-main. Like, co-main was a really good fight. Edson Barbosa, Paul Felder rematch. The Irish Dragon versus Barbosa. Pretty good fight. Quite, decisions, Matt. It was just, it was a fun fight. Not a big deal. Like, I mean, it's obviously a big deal. I guess they're both ranked. Paul Felder's up there now looking for a top five fight. But I don't know if he beats any of those top five guys. I mean, I don't even know if he beats Barbosa again because it was that razor close. But it was a good fight. I won't take anything away. Like, that was a good co-main event. The rest of the fight's pretty good. You saw some guys look pretty nice. There was one devastating knockout, an overhand right that landed. I thought he killed a guy. can't remember who did off the top of my head. It was like something Muhammad, I believe. I, I can't remember, but he absolutely killed that guy, and it was wonderful to see. Not that I hate the other guy. Just I love dark, I love devastating knockouts, especially with hands, because to see when somebody's hands can do that to another human, it's like, oh, okay. Um, I never want to get punched again. Yeah. <laughs> I, not that I really want to either way, but that definitely shows up. It's like, oh, that's why I don't really train or fight. Okay. Oh, that's a man I don't want to meet in a dark alley. So that's why I hung up the gloves. That makes sense. Okay, now I remember. Just in case <laughs> I had any weird preconceived notions to pick him back up again. And then the main event, which is what we were here to talk about. The real reason this card was really even sought after, bought, or viewed. Khabib Nurmagomedov, probably the most dominant grappler, one of the most dominant fighters we've ever seen. Taking on Dustin Poirier, who... You don't get a much longer, more dis- just more difficult road to the title than he got. I mean, he had to beat five former current world champions on the way to this fight. He had a murder's row, and he whooped all of their asses. I mean, his last game was it, not his last game. His last fight with Max Hall, he dominated, but at the same time, as close is weird because like the rounds he won is like, oh, Dustin almost killed him. Then he did lose a couple rounds at the same time. So, and Khabib mauled him like. That's not a moment. He rocked Khabib, and Khabib was on ice ice skates in the desert. It was kind of he had him slipping, but once Khabib gets closer, gets a hold of him, it was absolutely over. And it honestly put a lot of the rest of the division on notice. Like, oh, even probably the second or third best fighter in the division, and he mauls him. So I hope Dustin doesn't retire. There was some speculation he might retire after this one. He definitely took this loss kind of hard. I think on the feet, he was more than a match for Khabib. He just he's a good grappler. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, but it's just different with the smothering and the making it hard to breathe, and when you add punches into it, it changes everything, the elbows, the control. So I hope Dustin continues to fight. I think he could still compete with anybody. The clear matchup to next make, Khabib versus Tony Ferguson. For the 18th time, you got to line it up and just hope that nobody gets hurt this time. Two best lightweight division fighters of all time. I don't care if Conor McGregor's a lightweight. He's still, those two are the best two lightweights of all time. Speaking of Connor, I like to tweet, book my rematch in Moscow. I know you want that fight again, but come back and beat somebody else, man. Just anybody else. You don't really have as much pull right now as you as you did coming out of the, your first hiatus. And don't interrupt Tony Ferguson and Khabib. That is the fight us fan, fight fans need. Yeah. That is the ultimate matchup. That is the Brady and the Manning matchup, basically, just this time for the world title. This is the LeBron versus Kobe that we never got because LeBron screwed it up. This is the Michael Jordan versus Magic Johnson. Just make sure Magic Johnson is hated. That is the fight that we need to see. Because the one thing I think Tony can do that no other fighter that's fought Khabib could do is when other, everyone fights Khabib, he starts taking them down, grappling them, mauling them, doing his thing. They try to get up and get away. Tony's going to say, nah, screw it. If he gets taken down, he's going to try and fight him off his back. He's going to be like, okay, I'll fight you down here. I'll fight you real good. And nobody, 
Tony is such a weird dude on the ground because he is so good, but it looks so weird at the same time. Plus, when he elbows people, he kills them and slices them open. So he might honestly hurt could be more off of his back than anybody else has ever hurt. could be standing up or even what Khabib's done to a lot of guys on the feet. And Tony's lengthy. I mean, he's like six foot one. He's got some length to him, and he's he's not exactly skinny or wiry either. He's a thick boy. He cuts from like in the 80, 180s to 190s area. So that's the fight could be. Honestly, he says he wants that fight. He's like, this is the it's the biggest fight in the lightweight division. Maybe not pay per view wise, but like just on paper, it's a 99 versus 99. Realistically, if we're going by ratings, or 99 versus 98, however you want to slice it, it's what we need. I just need the health MMA gods to keep them healthy. And do not curse us with another blast injury. <laughs> Connor, go fight literally anybody. You will a million people plus will tune in. You win, you call it Khabib, it will be made. You kind of get what you want, no matter what, anyway. And honestly, be the replacement if one of those two gets hurt and fight fight somebody as a filling guy. I mean, something like that. And then of course, Nate Diaz versus Jorge Masvidal announced over this week too. The BMF belt is what they're calling it. I can't <laughs> wait to see that fight. Oh, my goodness. We speculated a little bit about it after Nate Diaz's win. When he called out Masvidal, I am so happy it happened. And it's a main event, so we get five rounds of it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't wait. That is going to be a heck of a fight. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a good one to look forward to as well. Uh, the one thing I got to say about the Khabib fight is, uh, look, I know you jumped over the fence to go hug Dana White. But let's just go ahead and pump the brakes on jumping over the fence from now on, Khabib, please. We might have to put a little bit of, like, barbed wire or a little bit of an electric shock collar on him at the top. Yeah. Let's keep Like, going. I know you're from Russia, but, like, you know, only polar bears keep you out of things. But, like, let's... That's not true. He wrestles those bears to get what he wants. There's video of it wrestling him as a child. That's true. Okay. So, you know, I've, UFC, figure out a way to keep Khabib in the ring. Other than that, I know his nickname is the, e- the Eagle, but you got to clip those wings a little bit. I mean, I'm tired of <laughs> that. But anyway, it was a heck of a fight, Dustin. Please don't retire. I've been a huge fan. He's one of the best dudes in sport in sports altogether. He donates he donates his fight kits to charity, and all the money goes straight to proceeds in Louisiana. He's doing the same thing with Khabib's fight kit. He's a great dude. I mean, he helped a person's dying wish from cancer. He Just look it up on ESPN. They did a little piece about it on ESPN's YouTube page. He's just one of the great dudes in sports, and he, we need to see more of him. And if you want to know more about him, there's a documentary called Fightland. It was really, really early in his come up, like regional circuit making pennies on the dollar. That's when I've, I've just always liked him since then. I want to see him keep fighting. I was biasly pulling for him a little bit because I'm just a big fan of his, honestly, but he needs to keep fighting. He's a stud. I hope he comes back. He's just one of the great dudes in sports. MMA needs a guy like him. Absolutely. I think every sport needs a guy like him. Sports in general just need guys like him. He's basically the Walter Payton Man of the Year just without getting that award for it, more or less. He's he's the Walter Payton MMA Man of the Year, basically. You know, if the ESPYs want to ever give out a humanitarian award, I would totally support that. I feel like that's that's something ESPY should look out to. You know, like, give give some of these athletes a global stage, not just their own sports stage, to be, like, a good dude. I know they do give out some similar type of awards, but I like that one. Add another one. Add a humanitarian award. Like, just mix it up. Like, show off more athletes doing awesome stuff. Yeah, like, and not just – look, we all know LeBron does a lot for for his for, – for Akron. But, like, there's other athletes out there, so don't just give it to LeBron or KD. You know, don't just give it to a basketball player because he's a big name. Don't just give it to an NFL player because he's a big name. Like, legitimately look out there for a guy like Poirier who donates so much stuff to charity. And, you know, guys like him, guys like – a lot of soccer players who give their literally everything away to charity. I mean, as much as I don't like Cristiano, 
the dude the dude gives away game checks that are worth almost a million dollars to charity. Like, okay, nobody does that. And about the thing I was talking about with Poirier, I just want to clear it up. Like, the kid's dying wish, what it was, is they wanted, like, a... It was a park for basically kids with, like, special needs sort of thing as well. An inclusion park. Yeah, yeah, basically something like that. He not only helped... He paid for the entire thing himself. He built that park with his money as a kid's dying wish was to have that. So that's something important. That's just... That's amazing, man. Like, go watch that piece. I was almost in tears. Like, God damn it, I don't need to watch this before a fight. Damn you, ESPN. I had to go watch people get punched <laughs> in the face. I had to go watch highlights of people getting punched in the face to get myself back in the mood for it. So definitely watch that piece. Dustin Poirier is a stud. Um, any other final thoughts for you on this opening week of NFL football slash college football getting started? Well, as we're going to wrap this up, the Oakland game looks like it's wrapping up as well. Um, 24-16 right now. Yep, and game just ended. You know, Carr just kneeled it out. Uh, Flacco made it close late, but you know, you go and lo and behold, the Oakland Raiders without AB is still really good. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was the Broncos. I mean, I like what Denver can do on defense with Vic Fangio and those pass rushers, but offensively, they're limited. Even with comeback Flacco, I mean, I don't yeah. like what uh, they have. Some he's if he's comeback Flacco, then call me Joe Montana. Like this is he's. I'll call you Jared Lorenzen before I call you Joe. Hey, Joe look, I could I could complete a bunch of passes more than Joe Flacco did today. That's he had some wide open receivers. He just he threw it to a wide open man in the flats and lost three yards. Like how how many quarterbacks do you know that can throw the ball to a wide open man in the flats? Nobody's near him within like 10, 15 yards and loses three yards. Pre Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott. Touche. Okay, you're right. I'll give you that. But other than him, there's not really anybody else that could do that. I will say Derek Carr was in his proverbial bag today. Yeah. He was piecing up that defense. At one point, he was 17, 16 of 17. He finished the game with, like, what, five, seven incompletions, 21 of 27, something like that. He only had it to one touchdown, but that's really all he needed. Josh Jacobs got – he got – didn't really have a lot of yards per carry, but he got in the end zone. He kept them honest with the run game. It was a really well-coached offense by John Gruden. I mean, don't say that a whole lot because I think John Gruden's kind of a goober as a head coach. And especially the way this whole A B saga played out, but you really didn't need him out there today. I mean, all you would have A B probably got you in more trouble demanding the damn ball all the time. Yeah, to kind of sum up your point, Derek Carr ends up twenty two of twenty six, two hundred and fifty nine yards, a touchdown, uh one twenty one passer rating. So, you know, a good game from him. Definitely still continuing his accuracy improvement that happened last year, his career accuracy year last year. Uh Jacobs to your point, twenty three carries, eighty five yards, two touchdowns. Um the big story here, Tyrell Williams, six catches, 105 yards, a touchdown. Then Darren freaking Waller, seven receptions for 70 yards. They cut Luke Wilson. They were big on him on hard knocks when we watched it. It's nice to see him come to, fruit, come to fruition, too, especially the stuff he's dealt with in life. That's awesome, too. And by the way, you ended with two catches for 13 yards down there. Good job, Hunter Renfro. I'm, I'm getting used to not catching from Deshaun Watson against Alabama, but I mean, I thought it was, I did what I can, man. I tried to get in the end zone on that one spot route. I just couldn't quite shake free. I was more concerned with the first down I was trying to get there. No doubt. Well, if anybody's wondering why we make that joke, is DJ looks just like Hunter Renfro in all the scariest way possible. First of all, Hunter Renfro looks just like me. I am older than the guys. That is actually that hurts true. To yeah, say. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you are, you are older than Hunter Renfro, so. And unfortunately, he's. His net worth is 16 times mine right now, probably. <laughs> he is, uh, you guys are what, Irish, it was considered Irish brothers, Irish cousins. That's, you know, that's what you guys can be considered. You guys look so similar, but you're not even related. It's like Irish cousins is what they call it or something like that. You just had like one random 
just one random strand of DNA that got thrown into one of us randomly. I don't know how it's possible. <laughs> Maybe call your mom up. Hey, did you have another child and didn't tell me? And then, what the heck? Why did you never let me meet him? I asked for a little brother my whole life, and you tell me, no, we don't need another one of you. One of you's one enough. What is this? Yeah, there you go. But that does it for us today. Uh, any final words? I can't wait for week two, man. I will say, week two coming up, Lamar Jackson's playing at the Dolphins, so expect another six touchdowns from him if this is indicative of what's going to happen. So start Hollywood Brown and Lamar Jackson this week, everybody, on your fantasy teams. Oh, no doubt. And then just uh, heads up, in the next couple weeks, I'll be taking a vacation down south. So if you happen to be in the Atlanta region and you see a big dude wearing a high-low sports T-shirt, come say hi. We can get you on the podcast. It'll be nice and fun. I'll be throwing... Maybe throwing some actions at a bar. Who knows? Who knows what I'll get up to in Atlanta? Atlanta's a crazy place. Well, on that note, I'm probably going to be looking for a new co-host here because <laughs> I don't think he's coming back. <laughs> but that does it for us today. Um, thanks for tuning in, guys. Make sure you like and subscribe, as always. And tune in next week. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.